Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Introducing the first ever Grand Highlander, a mid-sized SUV with the ideal combination of space, performance, style, and advanced tech. The roomy Grand Highlander boasts three spacious rows with available seating for up to eight. It's available 362 horsepower. Hybrid Max powertrain on limited and platinum trims delivers the power, acceleration, and efficiency so your family can take on any adventure. There's even a standard digital key, a panoramic view mirror, and a 12.3-inch multimedia touchscreen so you always arrive on time. Live life grander in the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Learn more at toyota.com slash Grand Highlander. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. This is the lunch rush at your local deli. Orders are flying in. Online, on the phone, and in person. Order for Nick. So is it possible that fast internet could help your business outrun the rush? It is with Comcast Business, powering your connected devices with gig speed Wi-Fi and fast downloads and uploads. With Comcast Business, next level speed isn't just possible, it's happening. Comcast Business, powering possibilities. Requires gigabit internet and compatible router. Actual speeds vary. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where necessary, and sort of vibing on the new voice we got. I'm sure you just recognize that, uh, something a little bit different for the show. So uh, trying to spruce things up here, trying to make ourselves sound bigger than, uh, you know, maybe we like to think we are. But uh, got a full show for you, as always, on a Friday We'll be joined by our pal Michael F. Florida. We'll go over some of your best values for DFS players for the weekend. Also have a great question that we ask our nerd, as we do every single Friday, plus some big news that came down the pipe on Thursday. So we'll dive into that as well. But before we do any of that, we'll talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy, Esquire. Murph, any any plans for the weekend for you? Uh, well, there's a couple of good college football games uh, since I have to put all my uh, my focus on the, the Fighting Irish and uh, and. I do enjoy uh, watching other teams play there because uh, obviously my pro team has not helped me out. Um, so I think, yeah, just uh, relax. I think we, we talked about like last week how our 
you know, for those who work in the NFL media, your Sundays, if you are off, you're still not really off because you have to watch um, all the games. And obviously, like, we need to keep track of every single guy that's uh, especially on offense for fantasy. So it's like you really only have Saturday off. And then that's also consumed by other football. So really, my plans are football for the next, like, six, seven months. Yeah, I mean, that, that pretty much is it. Like once I always say that, you know, for for folks who work in NFL media, for football media, I guess summer kind of ends just after the 4th of July. Like everybody still gets a yeah. little more summer, but usually after 4th of July, we're into training camps. And then once we get you know fully into what you know, in normal years is preseason and in the regular season uh, from pretty much mid July till you know the start of January, maybe into February, uh, our lives are consumed by football. So uh, at least you're finding you're finding some enjoyment out of it. I know I know the pro game maybe has uh, you know taken a hiatus for you, but at least you're finding some football enjoyment this year. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's one of my passions I'll always have. So as frustrating as the Giants may be, I'm still gonna enjoy other things. I mean, like you know we got you know Georgia Alabama this week. I'm not even. Uh, I grew up nowhere near the SEC country, but yeah, that game t- is still so intriguing to me. So there's just something in me, and I know you have it too, where it's just like football is football. We will always love it, and it's okay that it consumes our lives for a, a quite some time. Absolutely. So we uh, we find our ways to it to get enjoyment. So, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend, certainly. All right, it is Friday, so we will turn our attention to our pal Michael F. Florio, who comes and joins us. And, uh, Florio, I, I don't know, you you also grew up not not near SEC country, uh, do you have any college football allegiances? I don't think I know this. the answer to this question. I don't really. Like, I've, I guess I would, for college basketball, I, li- I really like Syracuse. And I've, since Mello went there, I've always supported them. So I guess I would root for them in college football. But I tend to watch the bigger games or, or players that I want to see rather than, you know, have a team that I'm very much a fan of. Because in New York, college football is just not really a thing. And... Football takes over my Sundays already, so I try not to let that take over my Saturdays as well. There is something about being kind of a a football agnostic that is is sort of liberating. Um, you know, I it, it's what it's it's definitely nice to have a team and to sort of rise and fall with their successes and failures. But there is something about being kind of agnostic, and you can just sit down and watch a game for pure enjoyment. Or if you decide, <laughs> uh, you can just not watch a game and go do something else. That is. It is freeing to the mind at times. So enjoy that. Enjoy your agnosticism <laughs> and, uh, you know, have your Saturdays be less stressful. Um, all right. Let's turn and do some fantasy headlines, shall we? A big piece of news came down on Thursday afternoon, and that is Le'Veon Bell, who formerly of the New York Jets and then was a free agent, wasn't a free agent for very long. He is signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. So he goes from an 0-5 Jets team to a team that is very much a contender to win the Super Bowl this year. So you want to talk about your all-time glow-ups. So... It doesn't look like he's going to play, still has to go through COVID protocol, and reports are the earliest he could be on the field for the Chiefs would be this coming Wednesday. But when he's there and he's back and he's practicing and he's part of the game plan, Mike, does does this get him back to RB1 status where he once was? I'm not sure just yet. And Marcus, the glow up is it's so real. It's not even just a chance of winning. (laughs) It's he gets to go from Adam Gase offense to Andy Reid like I don't think you can possibly go from a worse situation to a best situation like that but my concern is he can't be on the practice field till next week like you said so you have at least one more week where you don't have to worry about CH but after that Bell still needs to learn the offense he's still going to need to get acclimated especially on passing down plays so I'm not so sure like 
you know, starting next week, this is his job. I think it could take a couple of weeks. Remember, we thought Fournette was going to be a big threat to Ronald Jones and he needed to get acclimated and, and it really hasn't uh, paid off yet for him. So I think Bell is a clearly a bigger threat for the starting job for weekly touches than anyone CH has had to worry about. He's clearly trending down like your board says, Marcus, but I'm not convinced yet that it's going to be like the full Lev Bell show. I could see it being more like they each have a role and they're more like RB2 or flex options until one really steals the job. That is going to be kind of interesting to watch. And remember, coming into this season, uh, we weren't sure how the split was going to go in that backfield. Uh, you know, we, we weren't sure if Damian Williams, how much work he was going to get. Then obviously he's not available this season. So that that is why there was so much focus on Clyde Edward-Delaire and the wor- workload that he could have. So obviously I, I get the sense that the Chiefs do want to have a second running back there. And, and whether or not you know it's going to be Lev Bell as the main back and CEH takes the secondary role, I, I'm with you. We're going to take a wait-and-see attitude on it, although I will tell you that as somebody who has CEH in a league and getting text messages from friends who drafted CEH, uh, <laughs> there is much dismay and consternation about what this is going to be because, look, all signs point to Le'Veon Bell sort of being the lead back here. I mean, this is a guy who was a an elite-level running back during his time in Pittsburgh, uh, and obviously you know, things didn't work out in New York. But there are, there are reasons to be concerned. So I, let, let's just turn our attention. What does this mean long-term for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? If you have him on your roster, what, what are you advising people to do? Right now, I think you just kind of have to sit tight with CEH because, like you said, everyone who has him is panicking. Everyone else who doesn't have him right now is probably like, wow, I'm pretty happy I didn't take him in the first round after all. (laughs) So I don't think you're going to be able to get anywhere near full value for him. I don't even know right now what exactly full value is for him. But I will say, I think that where, like, as a whole, like fantasy football community is kind of being like, all right, well, Lev Bell's coming in. It's going to be Lev Bell's job. And Lev Bell was awesome with Pittsburgh. You can't take that away from him. But that was three years ago. Like he hasn't had a run of 20 or more yards since Christmas Day of 2017. It's a long time ago. So I think this is a clear upgrade for him in that system and everything. But I still think both of these backs are going to have a role. I don't think it's just going to be one or the other. Ideally, this turns into, say, something like we saw with the 49ers, uh, where they, they, they are able to sustain multiple running backs. Like That is what you ideally would want so that if you have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, you don't feel like you're losing out on anything. I mean, let, let's even take it to, to you know, the Cleveland Browns this year, right, with what they have with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Both those guys were able to stand back there and prosper. You would like that ideally. It seems a little more difficult because, well, I mean, look, Patrick Mahomes versus Baker Mayfield, right? I mean, the, the Chiefs are more willing to put the ball in Mahomes' hands and let him go out and make plays versus the Browns who do want to run the football. So I think you you do have to sort of sit pat with CEH, hope that maybe there is a role that is bigger than what we are, are anticipating, and hopefully they can find ways to keep him productive, whether it's in the passing game, whether it is as a runner, whether he just has that touchdown upside remains to be seen. But this was definitely a big kick in the gut, man, for a lot of folks who drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Do you side note? So go ahead. I I was going to say, do you think that CH could be one of those backs that, like, when his touches go down, his efficiency goes up because he's a rookie back. He's smaller. I don't think when they drafted him, they were 
anticipating giving him, you know, 25 touches a game because Damian was there. I think that's the one hope you have if you have CH right now. Like, maybe he could still be really productive on, like, 12 touches a game. I think, you know, I don't think that's a crazy idea. And maybe that is the case. I mean, maybe when they're not using him heavily, Andy Reid is as creative as it comes offensively. Eric Bieniemy has done a great job with that offense. Maybe they find different ways to put the football in his hands. Maybe it's just about getting him out in space and allowing him to work. And so maybe it is. Maybe it's a, a different usage, but sort of a better usage. Maybe this turns into uh, you know, what you know, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler once had in, in uh, I was going to say San Diego, in Los Angeles <laughs> with the Chargers. So you know, may, maybe there's hope. We're, we're, you know, anybody who has CEH, I think they're looking for a ray of hope, a ray <laughs> of sunshine to, to try and brighten their day a little bit about the situation. Side note, uh, in the last few months, uh, both Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell have sort of you know complained their way out of New York and ended up in much better spots. I mean, Jamal Adams goes to the Seahawks, who are very much a contender in the NFC right now, and now Le'Veon Bell gets to go to Kansas City and has very a very good chance of getting to the Super Bowl. This I am all about guys like trying to find situations that are going to make them happy. This seems like a trend. I don't know. Maybe if I'm it's, like running things with the Jets, I start to look at this trend and think, what's the common denominator here? That's just me. It, um, I, I'm with. They chose their head coach over their best offensive and defensive player. I, I don't get it. <laughs> it also feels kind of NBA ish, right? Like the players, uh, <laughs> they have the power here. Uh, hey, look, man. Maybe maybe things are changing, or maybe it's just that you had two really really good players who were were covered on a lot of <laughs> rosters uh, and willing to do that. Look, I don't. I think if Jeff Smith starts, you know, complaining <laughs> about his role. Like, I don't think there's going to be as much hoopla about Jeff Smith trying to get out of New York. Uh, over to the Denver Broncos. Melvin Gordon was arrested earlier in the week for driving under the influence. He was back at practice, though, later on in the week for the Broncos. Now, head coach Vic Fangio has not officially said what their plan is in terms of discipline or whether or not uh, Gordon is going to be able to play this week. But let's just, you know, let's go on the hypothetical that he is there. He is available to play against the New England Patriots. Would you start him this week in fantasy? I think you probably don't have much of a choice. Like, there's four teams on by with a lot of key running backs being taken out. Uh, maybe you lost, like, a Dalvin Cook or, you know, the running back this week is being – the depth is being tested. So, he, to me, is still a back-end RB2 that I think you likely can't get away from. But it is a very tough matchup. And Philip Lindsay's back now. You have to worry about that. But the one saving grace for Gordon is his work has been pretty safe each week. He scored 15 or more fantasy points in three of the four games he's played. So for those reasons, I think you still probably have to start him. But I am devaluing him compared to most weeks. It is not a great week to start him against this Patriots run defense. You you would hope that you know before uh, before Philip Lindsay came back, there was volume there. You talked about his production there, and part of it was because uh, they, they really weren't trying to work Royce Freeman into the attack. But now they've got a guy uh, that can sort of rotate in with him, and and you wonder how that split workload is going to end up. Which brings up the question. Now that Philip Lindsay is back, likely he's going to get on the field, get some work after missing a couple games with that turf toe. How do you approach him? Is it sort of the same situation as with Gordon? Yeah, I Lindsay, I would be trying to get away from this week if possible. I have him in like the flex range, but I think he is going to see, I'm still anticipating he sees less work than Gordon unless we hear 
that Gordon is getting disciplined for some reason or something like that. Well, we know the reason, but if he is getting disciplined or something like that. But for right now, it is his first game back. It's a really tough matchup. You have to worry about Gordon being the lead back. Lindsay is a back that I was looking to add off the waiver wire, but not one I'm trying to start this week. We still, I don't think, have a very good indication of how these guys will coexist together because Philip Lindsay only played one game and then he got hurt and it's been Melvin Gordon since then. So I, I still don't feel like we have a clear picture of how the Broncos want to use both of these guys. And maybe that is enough reason to sort of stay away, at least from Philip Lindsay this week, just to kind of get a sense for how the Broncos want to kind of rotate these guys in. I still hold to the fact that when they're both healthy and they're both really getting touches, that this could end up being sort of a frustrating hot hand committee, sort of like, you know, what we have seen, at least what I anticipate we're going to continue to see in Tampa Bay when both of those running backs are healthy as well. But I do think Melvin Gordon, provided he plays, is going to be the lead back this week. And and I'm with you with Philip Lindsay just coming back, sort of being the secondary back and a bad matchup. If you can avoid that play at all, that is probably going to be your best course of action in week six. Uh, speaking of week six, today's show, like all of our shows, sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. We did not have a Thursday night football game this week because of the shuffling of the schedule, so that means we just dive right into Sunday with the beginning of week six. Of course, we have currently scheduled a doubleheader on Monday. We'll see whether or not uh, that ends up being the case. But in the meantime, we got some big questions, as we always do, to talk about for the week ahead. The first one, Lamar Jackson right now is the QB 11. He hasn't played terrible. He hasn't you know, had these huge, you know, just disastrous games. But we're talking about a guy who was the first or second quarterback off the board in a lot of fantasy leagues, a guy that people reached for in some of the early rounds. And the numbers certainly have not justified the draft capital you spent on him. Is it time that we start adjusting our expectations for Lamar Jackson? I think so. I think if you drafted him right now, this is like a worst case scenario because I don't think he was going to ever like totally bottom out and be someone that you can't use in fantasy. But you were paying up because you thought, all right, at the very least, even if the passing numbers regress a little bit like I'm still going to get RB1 type production but you're just not this year like he's on pace to throw for almost 100 less yards than last year to throw less seven less touchdowns than last year to rush for over 400 fewer yards and four fewer touchdowns than he did last year so that's just down across the board I don't think he's a lock each week to like last year when I would rank him first or second and I wouldn't ever you know even think about it now like this week he's not in my top five like he's QB6 but because I still think his rushing ability gives him a, a that high upside that other quarterbacks don't have. But I'd be worried right now, especially because it feels like he's being asked to do more passing-wise than last year. Like, he's averaging the most air yards per attempt right now than last year. And, and last year was just a lot of short and safe throws. And this year they're asking him to do a little bit more. And it hasn't really worked out. It is weird that the Ravens offense, which was so effective last year, seems to be trying a lot more new wrinkles. And on the one hand, I get it, right? You don't want to be stale. You don't want to become easy to defend because people know what you're going to do. But on the same time, it was so good and it was so effective. And I think the biggest thing you mentioned, the rushing numbers are down quite a bit because that was always what gave Lamar a safe floor week to week. But now we're seeing them work in 
really all three of their running backs. I mean, it, it hasn't just been Mark Ingram. It's Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. And they're trying to spread the ball around, throwing it more. They're trying to get Marquise Brown more involved. Mark Andrews has had a couple of rough games. He had that one island game that we saw where he dropped a number of passes. And, and you know, that was kind of frustrating. But this Ravens offense so far has not clicked on the same level as it did. I still think, you know, Lamar will have his blow-up games, his huge games, and I think he'll still end up as a top-10 quarterback. But it's it's becoming kind of plain to see that what happened last year might have been the, the outlier season. And, you know, to expect something similar to that might be asking a little much of him this year. So I think it is kind of time that we maybe change our expectations, which is going to disappoint a lot of people who probably spent a third or fourth round pick on Lamar Jackson this year. Speaking of people within the beltway to be worried about, Terry McLaurin seemed to sort of be quarterback proof uh, for a while, but with no Dwayne Haskins, they've gone to Kyle Allen. That wasn't great. Then Allen got hurt and Alex Smith came in. That was even less great. Should we be worried about Terry McLaurin? Should we be paying close attention to him this week? I'm not worried yet, but I think he is someone that you have to play close atten- pay close attention to this week. Like He didn't get a full game with Kyle Allen, but he was still tied for the most targets from Kyle Allen. And then Alex Smith came in. And I think that is the worst case scenario for Terry McLaurin. Like if they announce that Smith is going to start games this year, I don't know if you could trust Terry McLaurin because let's think back to when Smith, you know, before he had this devastating injury, before he was away from the NFL for a couple of years and before he was an agent quarterback playing with the Chiefs, he still wasn't a downfield thrower. Like he was still throwing close to the line of scrimmage every year towards the bottom in a dot or air yards per target. So He is not a field stretcher at all. I don't expect him to suddenly become one at this point in his career. So I think at that point, you really need to worry about McLaurin. But I want to see him play this week with a full game of Kyle Allen and see what those numbers look like. Because I'm not convinced that Kyle Allen is a worse quarterback than Dwayne Haskins. And Haskins was able to still make McLaurin fantasy relevant every single week. So I think that right now he's someone to watch but not worry about just yet. The narrative that we are all sort of hanging on to is that DJ Moore last year was able to prosper with Kyle Allen at quarterback. And so I think that is, for the time being, what is keeping our faith in Terry McLaurin. I look at it and you, you talk about how McLaurin still got so many targets last week, and that that is certainly encouraging. The next thing I want to look at is how many of them were quality targets. It's one thing to have somebody throw the ball in your vague direction uh, it's another thing to to have them throw it in your direction where you actually have a chance to make a play on it. But I, I guess in this case, beggars can't really be choosers. We just want a quarterback that's going to throw the ball to Terry McLaurin. I don't really care who it is. If it's if it's Kyle Allen, if it's uh, you know if it's Alex Smith, if they bring Mark Rippon out of retirement and have him throw the ball, like I just want somebody that can get the ball in McLaurin's hands and make plays with it. But I am going to be paying close attention to him this week. I want to see how they're getting him the ball, how effectively they're getting him the ball, and whether or not this is sustainable. I do think, as a side note, that maybe this quarterback change, and especially if it ends up being Alex Smith, could benefit Antonio Gibson if you have a quarterback that's not going to push the ball downfield, that is going to to kind of dump the ball underneath. Uh, And we've we've talked a little bit about Gibson. I feel like every other week we sort of mention Antonio Gibson here. Where, Where is your confidence level in him right now? 
My my dog's trying to get in. She's a big fan of Antonio Gibson. Uh, <laughs> I I like him. I think he's trending up right now. I know last week we saw JD McKissick come in and see a lot of targets. I'm not anticipating that each week. And again, that was with Alex Smith. Um, I think Gibson. You know, he has a safe floor each week now because they're using him as the goal line runner. He is still seeing you know three or four targets each week. So I think Gibson right now is an RB two that is trending up. And if you drafted him, I think you should feel excited. It took a little – I guess we want instant gratification. So the fact that, you know, it, it's only week <laughs> six now, right? I mean, it hasn't been like a long time. Uh, so I guess, you know, we should be excited about it. I think because it didn't happen in like week one or two, we we're like, ah, this is this is bunk, whatever. Uh, Julio Jones is still dealing with that hamstring injury. The Falcons did not practice on Thursday because uh, they closed their facility because of a, a potential positive COVID test. Uh, but they are back open on Friday. But Julio Jones still dealing with that nagging hamstring injury, and it looks like it's starting to linger. What should we be doing with Julio right now? I think if you have Julio Jones, you're just stuck, right? Like, I know they didn't practice yesterday, but they said even if they did, Julio would not have been out there. I'm not – I don't have high hopes that he's going to suit up and play this week. Uh, And I think if you have him, like, what can you do right now? If you try to sell him – no one is going to give you anywhere close to full price. So you're going to be just getting fleeced in any trade you can make right now. The only way I think I go out and trade him and accept that I'm taking, you know, a I'm getting less return than I would if he was fully healthy is if I'm sitting at two and three and I'm or worse and I'm not really feeling great about my team right now. And I know like I need things to start to turn around before the season is over for me. That's the only way I think I'm looking to trade him. Otherwise, I think you're just kind of handcuffed with him right now. That is sort of the problem is, you know, because he is sort of stuck in limbo. You are sort of stuck in limbo. And I think the worst case scenario, I I actually would honestly, if I have Julio Jones, I just want the Falcons to tell me right now, is he out or not? Don't leave us hanging because the worst thing is they, they make it a game time decision. And then you're really scrambling on Sunday to decide what to do. Or even worse than that, they say he's okay to go. And then he ends up just being a decoy because we, we've seen that a couple of times where he gets on the field and he runs a couple of routes, but they aren't really looking in his direction at all. And so you've got Julio Jones in your lineup and you're going to catch a zero because he's basically just out there getting his steps in more than anything else and not actually being a part uh, of the offense. You know what it feels like a little bit? Like, remember when they drafted Julio Jones and Roddy White was still a thing at first and then like. <laughs> The injuries started to pile up, and now it feels like Calvin Ridley is like going to continue that and take over for Julio Jones, and it just feels like the, the best days of Julio might be behind us. It is a tradition unlike any other in Atlanta, <laughs> just the passing of the torch uh, from, from one wide receiver to the next. Um, Mike Davis has been great since Christian McCaffrey went down, and I, I know there, we, we had a graphic on Fantasy Live, I think, either earlier this week or, or last week, basically showing the production, and... It is pretty darn close. When you look at the fantasy points per game, what Mike Davis is giving you versus what you were getting from Christian McCaffrey, the comparison is is pretty spot on. So it begs the question, has Mike Davis done enough to continue getting touches when Christian McCaffrey is finally healthy and back on the field? Marcus, I'm really happy that you asked this. Like when I saw this on the rundown today, I got excited because this has been (laughs) something that I've been wondering now for like a week. But I was like, I knew if I put it on Twitter, like someone would roast me and be like, he's still Christian McCaffrey, you idiot, or something like that. And (laughs) like, I don't know, he's still Christian McCaffrey. But to your point, like, 
in his absence, Mike Davis is actually averaging more scrimmage yards per game this year than McCaffrey has been. The fantasy points are nearly identical. So I think that if you're the Panthers, maybe you're thinking, hey, we're playing some winning football right now. Why do we want to take Christian McCaffrey coming off the IR and suddenly get him, you know, 25, 30 touches again when we could reduce that back a little bit? We know we have a quality back here in Mike Davis and we can keep Christian McCaffrey McCaffrey healthy and on the field all year because we have to remember like this is a real life football team and they want to protect their players and have them healthy and available each week they don't care about our fantasy production so I think it is actually something to worry about right now I would be very concerned and and I think you factor in the fact that it's a high ankle sprain for McCaffrey and those things tend to uh, take a long time to get back to 100%. They did just sign him to a big contract extension. So you're right. I think they want to sort of protect their investment a little bit, maybe not rush him back, maybe not give him a full workload. And I understand that we are a long way removed, that we are a couple regimes removed from uh, the Panthers when they had the D'Angelo Williams, Jonathan Stewart backfield. But I do wonder whether we could go back to sort of seeing that split in Carolina where you have two guys who are very good and very productive and they're both sort of splitting those opportunities there because I just, I just have a hard time imagining that, you know, if you are, if you're Matt rule, if you're Joe Brady, you look at what you've gotten out of Mike Davis. And, you know, when McCaffrey's back, you just say, Hey, you know, thanks for your service. We just want you to sit on this bench and not be a part of the (laughs) offense anymore because, you know, I just, it just doesn't make sense. If you have two guys that are, that the, the opposing defense has to prepare for, that only potentially makes your offense better. So I really do think that if you've got Christian McCaffrey, you should be a little concerned. I've seen multiple people, including Adam Rank, sort of advocating maybe if there's somebody in your league willing to kind of give you a king's ransom to trade away McCaffrey, that maybe this is the time to take it just because there is a chance that this could turn into a little bit of a headache that maybe we didn't didn't anticipate. And by the way, Florio, uh, if if this does happen, I know this is all a hypothetical, right? But if McCaffrey ends up in a timeshare, uh, you've got uh, you've got Saquon Barkley who's out for the year. Uh, Michael Thomas has been battling injuries so far. Devontae Adams missed a game or two with him. Like the first round of most fantasy drafts is falling apart <laughs> right now because of this. Yeah, it feels like like Kamara and Zeke are the only two. Like Dalvin Cook's now hurt. Like Ceh has Le'Veon Bell there. It feels like. If you drafted Camaro or Zeke right now, you should should be a little happy because everyone else, it's looking like a mess so far. It is falling apart. Uh, all right, last big question for the week. The Rams passing game, it's not really impressive just to look at. Now, you know, Jared Goff is, has some decent fantasy numbers. You know, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup have done some decent things. But on the whole, it, it just looks sort of lackluster. Uh, I know that you were, you know, Tyler Higby had his one big game. Gerald Everett's had a big game. How worried should we be about this Rams passing game right now? I think you should be pretty worried because this is not the same Sean McVay offense that we've kind of became accustomed to in years past. Like Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, and Tyler Higby are all running less routes and seeing less targets than they were last year. Uh, The Rams are running the ball 52% of the time, that's the second most in the NFL. They're decimal points away from being the most run-heavy team in the league. And 52% this year, last year it was 38%. The year before that, it was 43%. So this is clearly offense that is prioritizing the run more than they ever have before. I think if you have Woods, Cup, or Higby, you need to be worried. And in fact, Marcus, you know I love Tyler Higby coming into the year, but 
I picked up and am starting Irv Smith over him in a league this week. That uh, that speaks volumes. <laughs> and I, you know, I I wasn't you know I didn't hate Tyler Higby this year. I just didn't quite know where to slot him. And the the Rams have done nothing to give me any clarity on that situation <laughs> through the first few weeks of the season. You know, and it's interesting that you talk about how much they're running the football. That hasn't worked out for us either in fantasy because we don't really know which way to go with it, right? I mean, you know, is it Cam Akers? And, you know, he didn't, he was available. He didn't play much last week. He might play more this week against the 49ers. Daryl Henderson, when we thought he had a good matchup, barely saw the ball against the Giants and didn't do anything. Then we didn't, we didn't love his matchup the next week. He ends up with a huge workload and scores two touchdowns. So nothing for us fantasy wise seems to be working out. With this Rams offense, it has been just a nightmare to deal with. And I think there are reasons for us to sort of be nervous, uh, not pushing the panic button, but certainly nervous about the way things have gone. Uh, if you want more of this kind of goodness, you should be sure to check us out on Sunday mornings for NFL Fantasy Game Day. It's me along with Adam Rank, Kimmy Checks, Michael F. Florio, and uh, no promises, but maybe his pup shows up as well uh, for some of the segments. We have all the latest injury news. Top starts and sits. Uh, you can catch us starting at noon Eastern, all the places that we stream our shows, NFL.com in the NFL Fantasy app and on YouTube at YouTube.com slash NFL Fantasy Football. It's time for Best Value presented by DraftKings. We've got our picks for the guys that might give you the most bang for your DFS buck in week six. So we'll start off quarterback. What are you looking at this week, Florio? I'm going with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He feels a little bit underpriced here. He is the QB7 right now on this season. He has scored 21-plus fantasy points in four straight games. And the Jets have allowed 26 or more to both of Josh Allen and Kyler Murray. And they really haven't been tested elsewise other than that. So I know they come in ranking middle of the pack in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks. But I think that Fitzy has the chance to really put up a lot more. And what is kind of a revenge game for the Dolphins against Adam Gase? Uh, yeah, I guess it kind of is, right? Like, it's, a, it's a chance to get a little get back. I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins there. And I know we sort of advocated to start him last week against the Seahawks. The results weren't particularly great. He got you about 14, 15 points. But I'm going to double down this week because he's got the Falcons on the schedule. And I know they just let go of their head coach, Dan Quinn, but they still have a lot of questions to answer on the defensive side of the football. So I think that you, you can go back and... Maybe it's a little bit more than Fitzpatrick was, but I think the opportunity is still there for, for Kirk Cousins to go and put up a really big passing game, and it's worth kind of getting him in there to, to maybe go big somewhere else in your lineup. Okay, over to the running back spots. Uh, it's some, I thought there's some interesting values this week. Which one did you find the most interesting? I went with David Montgomery. I'm pretty bullish on him right now. Like I, I like him as a DFS value and in season-long leagues. I'm going to try and acquire him where I can this week before the game. He's been averaging seven targets per game since Tariq Cohen has gone down. And we saw last week, Marcus, how much that raises his weekly floor. He didn't have a big yardage game, but the seven catches gave him only nearly 20 fantasy points. And this week, I think he's going to explode against the Panthers. It's just the best matchup for running backs they're allowing the most fantasy points per game and the most touchdowns to running backs. And that's after they allowed the, both the most of that last season as well. This is just a defense that you can run all over. And I think this week the Bears are going to ask a lot out of Montgomery. So they have to ask less out of Nick Foles. 
The target share for David Montgomery has been the pleasant surprise since Tariq Cohen went down. I'm going to go Miles Gaskin here because he has been a pleasant surprise in that Miami backfield all season long to the point that last week Jordan Howard was a, a healthy scratch, did not see the field in that blowout win over the 49ers. They, they are getting him the football. They have a great matchup with the Jets. He has become sort of the running back of record. And in what could be Look, Rank made the point uh, on Fantasy Live earlier this week. Either Fitzpatrick is going to go huge and have six touchdown passes, or he's going <laughs> to you know implode and have six interceptions. But uh, if he goes the route of the six touchdowns, that potentially means Miles Gaskin could end up seeing a lot of work, mostly throughout the game, but certainly in the fourth quarters they try to close this thing out. So uh, I think at fifty four hundred uh, for the salary, I think Miles Gaskin is a, a pretty nice pick. All right, so to the wide receivers, A.J. Brown finally came back into our lives, and, and that was a good thing to see, right? Yeah, it was awesome to see. I have A.J. Brown in a couple leagues. I, I took a safe approach last week with him because he was playing on Tuesday, and that game was up in the air. But it was amazing to see. I, I left that game very happy with what he had. Oh, It was like nine targets. He had wide receiver one production, and Ryan Tannehill from the start of that game was clearly looking his way very often. I think A.J. Brown, like, we were valuing him as almost a wide receiver one in drafts this year, but now his, his DraftKings price I don't think has quite caught back up to that yet, so I think he is a good value this week. And I, I just like the Titans' pass game offense now. I've really come around on it. So maybe the only thing better than finding a value is finding a value stack. And I talked about Kirk Cousins at the quarterback spot. So I figured, well, why not go with Justin Jefferson as one of the wide receivers there? I mean, I talked about that Falcons defense. We all sort of know what the situation is. And this is still a pretty concentrated passing game. If there's one thing we've learned about Kirk Cousins, it's basically he finds two targets and he will funnel most of his throws toward those two guys. And right now, those two guys are clearly Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So I'm willing to take a shot and, and have him slide back in there. I know last week wasn't great, but we'll give him another chance against another pretty bad secondary. Uh, I know I just said that, that uh, Kirk Cousins funnels his targets through two guys, but when we look at the best values for tight ends, you've got a Minnesota Viking in there. <laughs> it's, it's right now just pick on the Atlanta Falcons defense. And I like your Vikings picks, Marcus. I also would like Adam Thielen this week. But I like Irv Smith Jr. as well. Last week, he saw five targets, four catches for 64 yards. He ran 31 routes and played 69% of the snaps. Both were season highs. I think he's the better pass catcher of their two tight ends. I think Kyle Rudolph is the better blocker, so I'm hoping that leads to more pass game work. And again, pick on the Atlanta Falcons. They're allowing the second most fantasy points per game to tight ends right now. And... Irv Smith Jr. is cheaper than my defense, so it's a really good way of saving money and getting uh, getting some high upside exposure there. It's sort of nice to see him actually kind of get into things because we were sort of wondering what was going to happen there. I I'm going to go with Logan or uh, with Ian Thomas, one of the Thomases, Ian Thomas, <laughs> uh, as my tight end with the Carolina Panthers. I, I know the matchup doesn't seem great on paper against the Bears, but if there has been a weak point in that defense, it has been their their work against tight ends so far this season. I wonder how difficult it's going to be for Teddy Bridgewater to get the ball to, say, Robbie Anderson or DJ Moore. But there could be some opportunities sort of in the middle of the field for Ian Thomas to go out and make some plays. I feel like, you know, unless you're really playing one of the top elite tight ends, we're, we're all just sort of uh, trying to you know, pinpoint touchdowns here. And I think Ian Thomas's work near the end zone could end up being a boost for him. So you mentioned that uh, your defense uh, is slightly more expensive than your tight end. Which defense are you going with this week? 
I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins defense. It, it's basically just pick on the New York Jets at this point. Their, their offense, they're towards the to bottom two. It's them and the Giants flip-flopping each week for fewest points scored on the year. They don't put up a lot of yards. Sam Darnold's up in the air. So there's just Le'Veon Bell's gone. There's just not a lot to like on this Jets offense. And the Dolphins defense has been playing better. Like they, They've been... A lot, since week one, I really feel like they've been stepping it up as of late. So I know you could save a little bit of money here and still get a high upside play in the Dolphins defense. Well, you talked about picking on the Jets offense. I guess in some ways we're sort of picking on the Giants offense as well. That's why I'm going with the Washington football team as my defense this week. Look, the Giants have had some bright spots. I, I would say that if you are sort of you know ranking the two New York teams, I'd say the Giants are ahead of the Jets for whatever that's worth. But the issue still continues to be that Daniel Jones just turns the ball over at a horrendous rate. And you know, the way to get points in fantasy for your defense, sacks and turnovers. And so you're just going to continue to kind of pick on a guy who has problems with ball security, who's going to throw interceptions on occasion. And you hope that they sort of uh, you know get those picks, get those turnovers, get to the quarterback, get some pressure and get some sacks. So I'm going to go with the Washington football team there against the, against the Giants. So uh, there you go. Those are your daily picks. Happy fantasying for the week. And that was Best Value presented by DraftKings. One person's fight is never one person's fight. It takes all of us to fight cancer. Join the NFL and the American Cancer Society in the fight today by talking to your doctor or reminding a loved one about getting screened. Visit NFL.com slash Crucial Catch to learn more. It's time for Best of the Pack, presented by Panini Trading Cards. Got a couple of cards in this pack that we'll uh, sort of discuss about maybe their week six and beyond prospects. So as we dig through, the first one we've got is Deshaun Watson, quarterback of your Houston Texans. People have sort of, you know, been wringing their hands about Deshaun Watson this season. But when you look, he is the QB nine right now. He had a pretty good game in the first game without Bill O'Brien as head coach and play caller. Have we overreacted to what we've seen from Deshaun Watson so far? Yeah, I think so. And not only have we overreacted, we've overreacted for all the wrong reasons, right? Like everything, whenever you hear about Deshaun Watson, it's, oh, well, it's because DeAndre Hopkins isn't there. Well, not really. Like he's averaging over 30 more passing yards per game this year than last year. His passing touchdown rate is higher this year than last year. What he's really down right now is in the rushing aspect. Like, his rushing yards per game are down 11 from last year, and he has just one rushing touchdown where last year he had seven. So I think that if you're looking at his two seasons and comparing it so far, his numbers, fantasy numbers are down a little bit. It's because of the less rushing yards. I think his passing, like, you don't have to worry about that. And also, he had such a tough schedule to open up the year. The Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers, I don't know if you can get any harder than that. I think that's sort of the key point for me when I was looking that the schedule just has really not done him any favors. And even then, he still put up some pretty decent numbers. He hasn't had one of those just you know bottom drops out weeks that's going to absolutely sink your roster. So I think things are going to start to open up. The schedule start, starts to lighten up a little bit. And I do think that now with no Bill O'Brien there, they're really just going to you know count on 
Deshaun Watson to be their key playmaker. Just sort of let let Deshaun cook, right? That seems to be the phrase of the year is just to let blank cook. So I think it's Deshaun Watson's turn. So I think that we can sort of maybe pump the brakes a little bit. Everything's going to be fine on Deshaun Watson. You can just relax. You can put him in your lineup and, and just kind of let it roll. All right. So our other one is... Julian Edelman of the New England Patriots. Uh, I know Edelman is not maybe the fantasy stud that he was, say, a few years ago. But now that Cam Newton looks like he's going to be back this week for the Patriots, is Julian Edelman an every week starter? I think so, but I, I don't think it's like last year, like you said, Marcus. I think it's more on that, like, you know, is he wide receiver, borderline wide receiver two or three and flex option? But in the three games with Cam Newton this year, because the ones without Cam, I don't think we really have to look at. Uh, we've seen kind of mixed results. He's finished with four points in one of them, 13 in another, and 26. Kind of like a floor, a median, and a ceiling game there. But why I like him is Cam Newton this year is thrown to the slot on 42% of his throws. That's towards the top in the NFL. And Julian Edelman, we all know, is one of the best slot receivers in the game, runs nearly 70% of his routes from the slot. So it just seems like a good pairing there moving forward. I still look at him as kind of a matchup-based guy. I think, you know, at, at worst, he's maybe a flex. I think at best, his ceiling is probably a, a mid to high-end wide receiver, too. Um, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think this is necessarily some sort of Tom Brady missing-related drop-off. I think it's just, hey, look, man, time comes for everybody. And at some point, uh, this offense is not the same juggernaut that it once was. And, you know, Julian Edelman is sort of going to suffer uh, because of that. I don't think I drafted him anywhere this year just because I wasn't all that certain. I mean, look, we went into the season not even certain who was going to be the starting quarterback. We There was still a, a time when we thought maybe there's an outside shot that Jared Stidham gets the job or that Brian Hoyer slides in there. So I think that might have had something to do with it. So I, I'm not ready to make Julian Edelman every week starter, but I do think he has some value, especially when the matchup is right. And like I said, I would I definitely feel more comfortable with him in my lineup with Cam at quarterback than anybody else that the Patriots have back there to, to put under center. Inspired by ongoing conversations with players, the NFL, NFL Players Association, and Players Coalition together launched NFL Votes to empower and improve our communities through exercising the right to vote. Join the NFL family by registering to vote today and make your voice heard this November. Visit NFL.com votes to learn more. All right, now it's time for Ask a Nerd. We went to our pal Matt Okada and asked about some of the top fantasy seasons ever put out by a rookie quarterback. Thanks, Marcus, and thanks for joining me for another week of Ask a Nerd. Today, we're breaking down the top five fantasy seasons all time by rookie quarterbacks. At number five is a player whose career ended as quickly as it started, Andrew Luck. 2012's first overall pick had a rookie record 4,374 passing yards on his way to 276 fantasy points. Number four on our list happened just last season, thanks to the dynamic play of another number one pick, Kyler Murray. With over 3,700 pass yards and 500 rush yards, Kyler logged 285 fantasy points in 2019. Dak Prescott's <laughs> blazing start to 2020 was foreshadowed back in 2016 when he posted the third best season by a rookie QB, despite being drafted in the fourth round, lowest on our list. Dak had 29 touchdowns through the air and ground combined, third most by a rookie ever, and totaled 286 fantasy points. Coming in at number two is Rookie of the Year winner Robert Griffin III, our second QB from the 2012 class, 
RG3 climbed the list thanks primarily to 815 rush yards and 7 rush TD for a total of 317 fantasy points. But number one on our list was in a whole other stratosphere. Cam Newton scored a whopping 370 fantasy points in 2011 thanks to a 4,700 yards and 35 touchdowns as a passer and rusher combined. His 14 rush TDs alone are and still remain a quarterback record. We'll have to wait and see if Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow can challenge these players, but until then, thanks for hanging out on Ask a Nerd, and may the fantasy points be with you. Our nerd got a glow up, man. No glasses, no mustache. <laughs> it's it's like, you know, it's like the male version version of like, you know, she's all that or something. Like, you know, he just, uh, he just <laughs> turned things around. But uh, as always, the information is fantastic. We appreciate Matt jumping in every single week with us. So... I brought this question up because Justin Herbert has been playing so well, well enough that he looks like he's going to be the Chargers starting quarterback for the rest of the season. So that begs the question. I mean, you got Herbert playing well. Joe Burrow has stepped in and, you know, carried carried the load as much as possible for the Bengals. Who do you think has the better long-term season outlook right now? Is it Herbert or is it Burrow? Right now, I'm going with Justin Herbert. He has scored 22 or more fantasy points in three of his four starts this year. Joe Burrow has scored that number once. Burrow's putting up a lot of pass yards. They're asking him to throw a lot, but the touchdowns haven't come. And I think his schedule is tougher. Like, he failed the test last week against Baltimore. He still has to play that defense again. He still has to play Pittsburgh twice. So I like both of these rookies. I think they are are both guys that you can trust most weeks, depending on the matchup. But right now, I think if you have Herbert, you you might not even need another quarterback. Like, he could be your guy the rest of the way. I didn't think we would get to that point, but I think you're right. I mean, the way he has played, he could just be your quarterback. And now with the Chargers on a bye in week six, there's nothing to to prevent you from playing him each and every week. I think the other thing that works in Herbert's favor is just the fact that he has a better defense behind him. I mean, that means the game script will be sort of in doubt. That means that the Chargers can still be two-dimensional when they want to be. Joe Burrow, I think, for the most part, is going to be forced into you know, having to pass a lot. They're going to be playing from behind. They're going to be playing catch-up, which means he's also going to face a lot of defenses that are just going to pin their ears back and come right after him. So I don't think Herbert is going to have those concerns. So I would I would side with you. I think that he might be the guy uh, to have maybe the bigger season fantasy-wise as a rookie when it's all said and done. The other rookie quarterback that we're waiting on is Tua Tagovailoa in Miami, Ryan Fitzpatrick is playing really good football right now. Is it possible that we don't see Tua at all this year? I think so. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is balling out right now. The Dolphins' defense is improving. They've looked like a team that really has gone from last year being kind of a team that we would all look to pick on in fantasy and didn't really expect much to at least being a respectable team and with the extra playoff spot this season, I think that they can remain in the race. Like, I'm expecting them to go out and win this week. That's another game that they're going to stay in the race and be competitive. If we see Tua, I don't think it's still very late in the year when they fall out of it because why right now would you mess with what you have going and and take Fitzy out? I agree. I I think, you know, there may be a game where Tua comes in sort of in relief or what have you, or maybe you're right. If if the Dolphins have a collapse late in the season, we see Tua get on the field just to to see what's happening. But everything's going well. And let's let's give 
Brian Flores some credit, right? I mean, when he took over this team, everybody thought they were in tank mode. It was going to be awful. And, you know, they were they were going to go winless for a season. They won five games last year, which is way more than anybody anticipated. And now this year they're coming out. They're looking competitive. I mean, they, they went to Santa Clara and absolutely smacked the 49ers last week. This is a good football team and they're playing good football. And right now, I don't think there is any real motivation to change your quarterback situation. I mean, I know we would like to see Tua just out of the curiosity factor of it. Oh, I will say, and I've, I've said this before, for us in fantasy, let's keep rolling with Fitzpatrick because we sort of know what we have there. And I think that consistency is good. It's good for uh, for Devontae Parker. It's good for Preston Williams, Mike Gasicki, everybody in that passing game. So I'm totally down. I mean, did you ever imagine that we'd be in week six and and having this conversation about not seeing two? It seems kind of far-fetched. I thought that Fitzy could play well for fantasy purposes. I did not think that him and the Dolphins would be playing nearly as good football as they are. I will say this, though. Dolphins fans... Brace yourself a little bit. We've seen this story before, especially in the <laughs> AFC East, where Fitzpatrick has a great stretch, has a team competitive. We saw it with the Bills and with the Jets, and he's come up short both times. But enjoy it because Fitzpatrick is one of just the most fun quarterbacks in the league to watch. Absolutely. I think Mike Gesicki said, you know, I, I love him. He's, he's one of my favorite teammates ever. He said, I'd play with him for 15 years if I could. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> probably not going to happen because Fitz is certainly near the end of his career. But I think it speaks to we think. how much – how much his teammates enjoy playing with him. And he is. He's absolutely a joy to watch go out there and play. Uh, in the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, be a leader, not a follower. Unless it's someplace dark and scary, then by all means, send somebody else ahead of you. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Monday. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-Fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's Unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love. Online or in store. 
Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All-inclusive vacations make life easy with endless eats, bottomless drinks, and never-ending fun. So booking an all-inclusive vacation should be easy too, right? That's where Apple Vacations comes in. Book your all-inclusive getaway with Apple Vacations and receive exclusive perks at select resorts. You'll find the best deals at Ryu Hotels and Resorts in Mexico, the Caribbean, and Central America, and enjoy a selection of exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Turn on Easy Mode at applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started. Visit applevacations.com or call your local travel advisor to get started.